morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Chew the Bible. It is officially September 10th. September 10th. It's a beautiful day out here. It's a good friend, A.A. Ron, just getting started for the day. Shout out to Pastor Cisco. Y'all can follow him on Instagram. Just type in like Pastor Cisco. I can't remember the rest of his his name on there. Oh, one second. Let me turn off this low power mode. Yeah, he had his he has coffee and revelations every Friday at six AM Central, seven AM uh East Coast time. E S T. So that was good. That was good. I encourage y'all to check that out. And uh he's also encouraging everyone to do a fast for the next three months for the first three days for the first three days of the month uh for october november december for the first three days of the month uh do a fast there's many types of fasting the main ones are like yeah daniel fast water fast because yeah check with your doctor and also do your own research on the different types of fast and also pray about it the main thing i have learned about fasting because i I didn't really i'm just gonna say this real quick growing up i used to go to a church that did a lot of corporate fasting and there was a lot of god god did a lot of amazing things for folks and with our church through those fasts so i do see the importance of it and why it is special i just didn't really see the significance of it my parents um, didn't really talk a lot about fasting. I don't even know. I need to ask my dad, did he ever like do fasting? Like when our church did corporate fast and I used to have a friend, I had a friend that I went to, we went to the same high school and, uh, he's the one that's how I even find my parents even found out about that church. Anyway, he used to always be like, you fasting and you fasting. I'd be like, no, I didn't know I needed to, <laughs> which is a, perfect example of like yeah his parents valued fasting and they were really on board with what the church is doing in unity and not to knock my parents but as far as i know they didn't they weren't really doing it and they didn't talk about it so it definitely is important that your kids know why you do what you do and don't have a religious spirit about it but yeah and the whole you know sometimes there's a lot of scriptures that just talk about fasting and people like trying to look a certain way um to show that they're fasting or you know outwardly and so anyway that's that's a whole nother discussion for another day i'll just mainly just wanted to encourage y'all to hey it's i think it's important at this time i keep hearing people doing it i've heard some other ministries like g craig lewis ex ministries are doing some fasting from sugar so if that's the message i'm hearing across the board in a lot of different churches uh and a lot of ministers uh prominent ministers then uh the lord must really be up to something if he's speaking to all these folks about this so um anyway uh let's go ahead and do <laughs> proverbs 9 verse verse t- no proverbs 10 could say the 10th Uh, let's see here. 
there's so many good things, so many good things in Proverbs 10. I'm going to read just three of the verses that just stand out to me. So the first one is the Lord will not. Yeah, verse three says the Lord will not let the righteous go hungry, but he denies the wicked what they crave. So I, I have my name. Actually, I wrote it in there. Lord, you will not let us go hungry. Once again, not just physically hungry, Lord, but spiritually hungry. Uh, you said your food, uh, something like, yeah, your food was to do the will of your father. Uh, the bread, yeah, the food that you eat on, that you ate on, Lord, uh, we did not, the disciples didn't fully understand was to do your your father's will. So I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as we continue to do your will and seek your will, we will not, and seek your face, not just your hand, Lord, we will not grow, we will not be hungry at all. And we're right. Thank you, Lord. We're righteous, not based on anything that we have done or anything that we will do, because that is exhausting. Just thinking about trying to live righteous is exhausting. It's like running on a treadmill that is going way too fast <laughs> or I mean, you can never get off. It's exhausting. But with you knowing that I can rest and knowing that I'm righteous because of what you did on the cross, what your son Jesus did on the cross, dying for me. That's why we're righteous. And you said, but you deny the wicked what they crave. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not be like the wicked and crave everything. Lord, I know my flesh craves a lot of things, a lot of things, Lord. And um, I can be just like the wicked man described here in this proverb. So help us, Lord, to not just crave everything that our flesh desires, Lord, but to have self-control, Lord, in the name of Jesus. What is another one here? So much stuff in here. So much stuff in here. Here you go. Verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but the rod is for the back of the one who lacks sense. Verse 14, the wise store up knowledge, but the full mouth of the fool hastens destruction. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to uh, help us to watch our lips, our mouths, Lord. I know I'm struggling with that, Lord. Not just not just what we say, Lord, but what we click and what we post online. Um, that has that. That's now it's not just our lips, it's our, our thumbs can be dangerous, Lord. There's things I'm tempted to post or say at times and I'm like, why did I do that? Or why why did I even put that out there? Or what is there in my heart that feels the need to express this at this moment? And uh help us to consult you, Lord, before and be 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 sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the promptings of the Holy Spirit when he tells us to shut up, <laughs> when he tells us what and and not in a I don't know for me that's what the voice sounds a lot like. It just says shut up, Aaron, don't say that. So help us to uh, do that, Lord, to be discerning in our words and uh, also know the difference between the evil one who sometimes try to shut us up when there's something we need to say to encourage somebody. And it, as long as it's filled with life, because life and death is in the power of, tongue, of the tongue. So help us to speak life to folks and life into our own lives and over ourselves and into our situations and the situations of others and not speak death, to be discerning in what we say. 
And lastly, I got to read one more. Just so much. I really want to read the whole thing. But um, let's see here. I'm just going to do this. Oh, man. You know, we're going to do this whole section. 27 through 27 through 30. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Well, I thank you, Lord. I've been able to see age 34. And there are some folks, Lord, who have passed away at younger ages at 16, 18. And as far as I know, there was nothing. I've known some young folks. If you look at their life, they did not show any fruits of wickedness. They actually showed a lot of fruit of righteousness, Lord. And I don't know why that happened or why certain young folks pass at such young ages, Lord. I'm thankful for the 34 years that I've had, almost 35. And I thank you for the other folks that are listening who've made it to where they are, Lord. We don't understand your timing. Your, to you, one year is like the thousands of years, Lord. So we can't even understand your timing. So in the way, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, the years that we do have, because you already know when our... To down to the second to the millisecond of when we're all each of every one of us is going to leave this earth so i just pray that we will make use of the time that we do have and that not only would you prolong our lives to just give us you know how 80 90 100 years it'd be i always joke with my brother is cool it'd be cool to live to be 100 but uh and our our goal is to check up out here at the same time so we don't have to grieve over each other uh, when one of us passes. But in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that the years that we do have will be fruitful, God, and that they would be filled with not just joy, um, but a peace that surpasses understanding a um, in fruit, God, that it will bear much fruit in um, the people that are around us, Lord. So, and this says also, Verse 28, the hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. I pray that our hope will be filled with joy, Lord, and and that um, we would not be like the wicked with all these great expectations and, and things, Lord, that are temporary, that will perish, that are this, yeah, all going to burn, Lord, and only which you deem as, um, as necessary, which you deem as as a uh, eternal not the wood the head the hubble and the hay or whatever the stubble and all that and the that stuff is going to burn lord but everything that was built uh with gold and silver and um and rock and iron all that that you determine all that you're the one who determines all that that's what's going to last so and then lastly verse 29 the way of the lord is a stronghold the way of the lord is a stronghold for the honorable but destruction awaits the malicious. I thank you, Lord, that you are our stronghold, our strong tower, Lord, tall and mighty, Lord, a place of refuge, a place that we can see the enemy, a place that we can um, be protected from the enemy and the fiery darts of the enemy. And uh, we repent for any way we've made other things in this world, our stronghold, Lord, our homes, our jobs, our um our bank accounts our even our churches lord at times lord um 
those are they're great buildings, Lord. But at the end of the day, you, God, are the stronghold, Lord. In the spirit realm, you are the stronghold. And in the physical realm, we just, Lord, I can't even wrap my head around the concept of you being a stronghold, Lord. But I, I, uh, by faith, I believe it. And I trust, Lord, that I am in the security of your stronghold. And yes, it's a stronghold for the honorable. I think, Lord, we are only honorable because of what your son Jesus did. Not uh, help us to not have that mindset kind of like Gideon. As far as I know, he said he had the soldiers yell out for God and for Gideon. And yes, it's great to uh, you are proud of us, Lord. You do love us, Lord. But there's something in our hearts so that can easily try to make forget who's actually in control here who's the one who gives us the victory and to boast in ourselves and prop ourselves up um and to know or i just pray we'll never forget that that any honor that we receive for men only comes from you god first and you get all the glory and all the honor you deserve all the glory you deserve all the honor you deserve all the praise and we're only honorable because of what jesus did on the cross and that now we're seated at the right hand of the father because of that and destruction awaits the malicious or help us to not act maliciously or with ill intent or with anger and rage and um just have destruction destructive patterns lord we don't want to be i've experienced destruction in my own life lord and i never want to have this feeling again lord i never want to um go have to deal with this again lord i if anything i just want to experience the discipline of the lord in a in a way that um i want to experience the discipline of you in a way that i know it's strengthening me i know that it's um comforting me it's like my father when he would discipline me growing up i know it's for my benefit so anyway um lord yes i don't want to experience any more destruction uh just i want to see um fruit in my life in my kids life and in the people that listen so anyway after that long proverb uh prayer reading we're going to go ahead and hop into ruth chapter one this might actually be a longer episode. Um, Lord, I just thank you for Ruth. I thank you for this book. I just pray as we read through it that it would, it would speak to our hearts. It would grow our, our um, understanding and it would transform our minds, Lord, through the renewing. Through, yeah, renew our minds, Lord, through this reading of your word. Help us to learn from the life of Ruth, Ruth and the, the other people that were around her involved in this amazing story. Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, and everybody else. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. So I'm going to read this introduction real quick. And then Ruth chapter 1 is 22 verses. So here we go. Though ancient Jewish sources attributed or attributed the authorship of Ruth to the prophet Samuel, there is no mention in the book of the writer's identity. Given the genealogy at the end, the book was written during during or after the reign of King David, who ruled from 1011 to 971 B.C. Historical background. The book is set during the time of the judges, which off, which the author of Judges describes as a sad period in history in Israel's history when there was no king 
in Israel. And everyone did whatever seemed right to him. Go back and read Judges 21, 25. The period lasted about 300 years from Joshua's death until the rise of Israel's monarchy. Hold on a second. I just had a thought. It said that the prophet Samuel wrote about the book of Ruth. Wrote the book of Ruth. But that Samuel is was Hannah's son. That's interesting. I need to read more about that. Is this is that the same Samuel that was the son of uh, Hannah and Elkanah, whatever his dad's name. I think his name was that was Elkanah or Elkanah or something. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading about uh, Hannah and Samuel. All right. Yeah, sorry, let's go back. The The period lasted about 300 years from Joshua's death until the rise of Israel's monarchy. Though we don't know when the events of the book of Ruth took place within this frame, there was a famine in the land at the time. All right, this is right up my alley because I feel like I'm experiencing a famine in my personal life. So, yes, speaking my language, Ruth the it's funny i was gonna say real quick i'm trying not to pause as much but yeah because we're gonna make this episode an hour if i keep pausing like this but i try to be transparent as i do this to the bible not just for the audience but a lot of to the bible real honest i'm just being super honest it's kind of selfish my motives for doing to the bible are just to be super honest or selfish in this that this is a time capsule a journal a lot for me so that I can go back and listen to these episodes as I get older and just hear these little anecdotal side stories, my personality, what I had going on and how I was how I was how I was relating to the word. And as I'm reading through this, I feel like personally, these stories I'm reading are very and these chapters that I'm in are aligning with things that are going on in my life right now. And so, um, yes, that's why I encourage all of you all to do a podcast or if you don't want to put everything out there and do all the work of a podcast, um, it's not even that hard. But if you don't want to do all that, just take out your phone just like this or some type of recording device and record yourself. You don't all have to do this, but this is just something that's helping me record yourself reading the Bible and talking about it and processing through it out loud. And as you do that, new wire connections in your brain are going to be forming. You'll connect with the word in a way that you didn't before. Uh, and, and ultimately you'll have a record of this that you can listen to later. You can also pass it on to your kids. So it's something about hearing your own voice, read the Bible versus like hearing somebody else do it. Or there's a different, it does something different in your brain. I can't explain it. Kind of like when your teacher used to tell you when you were a kid to write, take notes uh, in that in the studies that were done that show that taking notes by hand and pen, a pen in hand and notebook is and the wire connections that are forming the brain, the memories are forming the brain is different than taking notes with your laptop. So. Yeah, I see the sun rising. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I just saw it pop up. 
man, God is amazing. All right. Ruth, the book's namesake, was a Moabitess. A Moabitess. We've read a lot about the Moabites. The land of Moab was to the west of Judah on the far side of the Dead Sea. The people of Moab were descended from Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his firstborn daughter. See Genesis 19, 30 through 38. Though Ruth was a Gentile descended from these humble circumstances, she worshiped the God of Israel, married into God's chosen people, and became the ancestress of King David and Jesus Christ. So she is like Jesus Christ's great, 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 great grandmother or aunt. Well, I don't know. She's in the genealogy. Gene- genealogical line of Jesus. Ooh, struggle with that word. All right, message and purpose. This book is personal, prophetic, and full of theology. Written during the dark days of the period of Israel's judges, Ruth centers on a Gentile woman by that name. Through her experiences, we see the demonstration of God's providence, grace, and love and redemption. Ruth was from Moab. Her mother-in-law, an Israelite named Naomi, was living in Moab when her husband and two sons, one of them being Ruth's husband, died. Ruth made a faith decision to go back to Israel with Naomi because she had adopted the true God of Israel as her own. In Bethlehem, Ruth experienced God's providential provision, his invisible hand at work through the glove of history. She made a connection with a man named Boaz, who was one of their family redeemers. That's going to be in Ruth 2.20. That role was designed to ensure that a man's lineage continued, even if he had no heirs. Similar to, um, similar to the whole rule they had uh, with the whole story of um, this dude spilled a seed. Ah! Um, Onan, 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 Onan. Yeah, Onan, that guy. Um, his brother passed away and then he was supposed to ins- insert his seed or, you know, have relations with his sister-in-law to continue the bloodline of his brother. And uh, he spilled the seed on the ground and, yeah, disobeyed God's command. And that's why he died. Not because he spilled a seed on the ground or wasted his seed. And then his father, Judah took advantage of that whole situation anyway go back and read i think it's genesis 38 but there's a whole that was a law that god instituted to carry on the lineage um you were supposed to yeah you had these kinsmen redeemers and they would like seal the deal with their sandal and all that anyway yeah and if i'm getting any of this wrong go back and read it on your own like i keep saying fact check this stuff on your own because Aaron is not I mean, I'm, I like I stop saying that Aaron is still learning the Bible. I'm still learning the Bible. So bear with me. I don't try to come. I'm not trying to come across as an expert. I'm coming across as somebody who is still learning this stuff. Um, so, yeah, my main goal in doing this is to encourage you to read more. All right. The couple's story provides an illustration of God's love for Gentiles within the framework of his covenant with Israel. Through Ruth's marriage to Boaz, she became the grandmother of King David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. In her story, yeah, the grandmother of King David and the ancestor of Jesus Christ. In her story, we see the lengths to which God went to ensure that Jesus legally qualified 
Jesus legally qualified to be Israel's Messiah and Savior of the world. It's amazing. This is why Ruth's name appears in Jesus's genealogy. See Matthew 1 5. The book of Ruth shows how God can take messages and make miracles in order to advance his kingdom program, plan and agenda. See, like this real quick before I hop into Ruth. That's why. That's my why. And that's get That helps me. That is what is helping me stay celibate right now. And that's what's helping me. Um, not as much as I want to be married again. That's really what's kind of, that's really helping me live better during this single time. I'm not even going to lie. It has been challenging. It has been challenging since my divorce. And I didn't always, it was, it was, yeah, I had my slips and falls early on right after my divorce. Right. Um, And I talk about this a lot because this is something I'm dealing with and I and I'm sure there's other people dealing with this. But I say all that to say when you when you have an understanding of like there's God has a greater agenda than my temporary challenges I have right now. And I know there are gonna be more hurdles once I do get into a serious relationship. That's when the real work is gonna start. So this challenge of, you know, trying trying to live continue to live uh, abide in Christ and be celibate and single and have joy at the same time. Um, it's nothing to compare once I actually, the real work is actually going to start when I, if it's God's will for me to be in a relationship again and the things that I'm able to do as a single man right now, as I yield myself to the promptings of the Holy spirit, which is a challenge also. Um, yeah. Anyway, yes, the things I'm able to do the accomplish through the help of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be able to do if I was still married right now. Or So even though it doesn't all make sense right now, and I wish I was still married to my first wife it, and we could have kept that working and going, what helps me keep going and fight off, even last night I was having just some thoughts that were just totally from the enemy. Like, just horrible thoughts that, like, and that whole woe is me and ER spirit just came on me like a flood last night before I went to bed. And and what breaks me out of that and what gives me hope is I know that the Lord is getting the glory and that he has a plan, a divine plan for all of this. And it will make a lot more sense. It doesn't even have to make sense to me. But in God's eyes, it makes sense. All right. There you go. Ruth chapter one. 26 minutes in. This is going to be a long episode. All right. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. For a while. Hmm, a man left Bethlehem <laughs> in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malin, Malin, and Chilean or Killian, I think that's how you say that. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpha, or Orpa, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about 10 years, 
both Malin and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. As far as I know, for thousands of years, even here in the United States, up until like what the 1940s, 50s, because that's when Social Security, I can't remember. It's like around the Great Society, I think. Whoever the dude that, um, what was it, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson? Sorry, my history sometimes off. Old dude who, Google it, who created Social Security for, before him, a lot of folks lived like the Waltons and your kids wore your Social Security. Your kids took care of you till you died. They've buried you in the backyard, usually. That was the way it went down. Um, so same thing back then the kids when you had that's always good to have a lot of kids especially sons because they would take care of you in your old age and so for her for a widow that's why like god is so big on the new testament we're going to read talks about taking care of of widows and orphans um especially widows because yeah they things were different back then even here in the united states for years women couldn't get credit cards women couldn't get yeah access to loans do anything without the approval of their husbands and so that's why I was so big to take care of uh, widows and orphans. So, especially widows. All right. As far as I understand. All right. Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. Verse six. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. And some water. Anyway, I had a whole thought. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. All right. uh, She left. She once again, she heard. Where's my pen? Where is my pen? Pen, 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 pen. Because there's some new stuff I want to underline. Over this one works. She had heard. She had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to the people's need by providing them food. It's cool that I was just reading about, was that in Proverbs or Psalm Psalm 10 today was talking about famines and food and all that. Anyway, she left the place where she had been living accompanied by her two daughters-in-law and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Verse eight, Naomi said to them, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and they wept loudly. They said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. That's wild that she says this, but as we, earlier we saw Sarah well, was 90. Yeah, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was, what, 90 years old when she had had a son? So, had Isaac. All right, even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons... Would you be able to wait for them to grow up? Yeah, that would be weird. Wait till he's like, what, 14? 
right. Would you restrain yourself? Is that yeah, too young back then? Or 18? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? Mm. No, my daughters. No, my daughter. No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord hand ha- Lord's hand has turned against me. Wow. Again, they wept loudly and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. I'm loving this. I can relate to I can relate to Naomi already. Feeling like the Lord Lord's hand is turned against you. But he hasn't. He hasn't. We're about to see. He didn't turn his hand against Naomi. He didn't. So that's a prime prime example of in our lives at times we can feel like the Lord's hand is against us when really the Lord's hand is just steering us in a different direction because he sees the whole he sees the beginning from the end he sees it yeah he sees how it all is going to play out he knows how it's all going to play out um and he also says I'm the potter you are the clay well how can the clay say to the potter like hey I don't like this you know why are you (laughs) he's like yeah so the answer yeah he he didn't turn against her. I'm writing this down. Uh, he was molding her, steering her destiny. There's a big difference. It's, that's that's one of the number one things to understand as a Christian. And this is why non-Christians don't understand the God that we serve, the one true, true living God, uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because when bad things happen, and it's important to discern this as a Christian, is, is this God disciplining me? Meaning like... Um, you did something, you sinned, you know you shouldn't have done it, and he's allowing this bad circumstance into your life, whether it's a sickness or a pain. Because at the end of the day, nothing that happens to us, if Satan wants to try to sift us, as Peter, he said about, uh, yeah, there was a Peter was dealing with some sifting of the Lord. Paul dealt with being whipped and all the stuff he dealt with. Anybody in the Bible, they deal with some some problems and some issues, some sicknesses and some abuse, bad stuff. And sometimes it's stuff that we've allowed and open the door to the enemy to do. And sometimes and even that stuff, God has to it, it has to still go through the approval of God. Everything still has to go through the hand of God. Everything that happens to us has to go through the hand of God. And the big question we shouldn't always ask is why? or try to get understanding of why it's happening. The bigger question that I personally have learned is just say, Lord, your will be done. Like, Lord, how are you using this? Or how how should I be positioned in my heart and myself so that you get the glory out of this or that I get stronger out of this? No, It doesn't really matter too much how it got there or why it's happening. 
the bigger thing we need to do is, is like say, Lord, how are you going? I don't know. The bigger question is like I'm trying to say how to say this. It's positioning our heart in such a way to where we 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 can feel God's presence and we draw closer to him because of the trial, the tribulation, the sickness, the problem. Um, my pa- pastor always says there's no one in the Bible that says doubt. What is in the Bible does it say doubt shall understand? Um, there's there's certain things that we don't we just have to have faith in knowing trusting that God is molding our circumstances, molding our situation to make us to ben- to benefit us. So that his plans for us are, are good, not to harm us. So in this in this situation with Naomi being a widow now and with her sons passing away all she could see was the negative aspect of it. All right, but Ruth verse 16 but Ruth replied, "Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God." Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Basically, Ruth was like, hey, I'm going to be your ride or die, even though your other uh, daughter-in-law is booking. I'm staying. And my, the thoughts that I have here, like what kind of relationship did Ruth have with Naomi that the other daughter-in-law didn't have. What was it about Ruth's character and Naomi's character? What kind of qualities did Naomi, Ruth see in Naomi that would make her want to stick with her? And those are just things that I think about, even though the Bible doesn't expound on these things. There was something, something in their relationship that made Ruth want to stick around, which is rare because most a lot of mother-in-law, daughter-in-laws is known in movies and uh, stereotypes. And you hear all these horror stories about in-laws not getting along. So I saw it firsthand. Verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. Interesting. Like basically Ruth Naomi's like, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to convince this woman that she doesn't know what she's doing, that this is not a good idea. I'll just leave it alone. Yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and come with me. Verse 19. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? So everyone was excited. That's cool to go be able to go home, and people are actually excited that you're going home. You're going back to your hometown? Uh, yeah, that, that, that means you're something special. Don't call me Naomi. Naomi. Call me Mara. She answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. Oh, man. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I went away full. 
this is why it's so important to chew the Bible, not just rush through the Bible or uh, gorge on like, yeah. She, I hope y'all are catching that. She said, I went away full and I came back empty. The Lord, that's a word of the Lord today for anyone listening. Just like, just like, just like uh, Naomi, just like Naomi, the Lord, he desires to do this in all of us. He desires, I believe, I personally believe not just COVID, but there's been a lot of things happening prior to this. We've had recessions. I've lived, I've lived already. This is what I've lived through already. I'm 34 years old. I can't remember all the old stuff. Like apparently I was born when the Berlin Wall came down and I happened to be born in Germany, which is funny. Uh, but the major, major events I remember, 9-11, which is right around the corner. Uh, the Great Recession, which was right around when I, I was a freshman in high school when, when 9-11 happened. I was just graduating college when the Great Recession happened in 08-09. I was just graduating and preparing to go to law school, but I didn't end up going. And... Uh, What else major happened? Now, now I'm living through COVID. Some, a lot of other stuff has happened. And yeah, you want to get down in my personal life? Like, yeah, dealing with, yeah, getting married at age 20. Um, from jump, I have some funny, some wild stories from like our honeymoon and just, and then dealing with my son Matthew being born early and almost thinking he might pass away, dealing with, uh, um, dealing with some other personal tragedies, right? Some things that not, it could have been a whole lot worse, but let's just say I, I've dealt with a lot of challenges early on in my own, and I'm only 34 years old, right? Um, every, all of us got issues, things that have happened to us, right? And some of us more than others. And it's easy to look at all those things and become bitter, to reflect on our lives and to have regret and to be bitter and to be angry. And say that the Lord has brought me back empty to call me Mara. But the Lord, I'm telling y'all, some of it might be things that we open the door to the enemy to come in like a flood and cause havoc in our life. But even then, the sovereign hand of the Lord, he, he's the one who allows anything to even pass through him. It has to pass through him to get to us, just like Job. Anything that happened to Job had to pass through the hand of God first. So it doesn't really matter how it happened or why it's happening. God knew it was going to happen before you were even born. So the the Lord, his desire and anything he allows in our life, anything that happens in our life is to get us to a place to where and I don't understand why. I don't understand why. And this is why it's different between us and people who are not Christians or who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Once again. We can see that God is the one that is allowing, ultimately allowing this for our good so that we empty ourselves. He wants us to be like Mara and to be empty. But in order to have to reach our destiny, he has we, we have to be filled with him, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled every day 
filled with him like lord i'm i'm open i'm ready to receive what you have what you have for me but in order to to do that we have to be emptied we have to empty ourselves of our pride we have to empty ourselves of our our personal agendas we have to empty ourselves of um anything getting in the way of us being filled by the holy spirit being filled by what he wants to the things that he wants to fill us with the love the joy the peace the patience the uh kindness the uh the goodness the long suffering the self-control um he wants to fill us with those things but we have to empty ourselves of anything that's not like him so anyway i feel like i'm going i'm going like extra hard on this one i'm almost approaching an hour so let's wrap this up so anyway that's the word of the lord i feel like for y'all today um sometimes it feels like the lord we can feel just like naomi and feel like god uh has called us mara we should be called mara and it's caused us to be very bitter and feel like the lord has um emptied us and only see the bad parts of, of him emptying us emptying us and not see the goodness of him emptying us And we may have at one time been filled with a lot of good things, things that we thought were were great. But he wants he has to empty us of those things that even seem great in order so that he can give us something even greater. Which for her down the line, we'll see if she gets to be in the lineage of Jesus. Like how many people can say that in the history of the world that I'm the great I'm the ancestor the great 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 grandmother of Jesus but she couldn't see it at the time and she didn't even she didn't even see it while she was alive she gets to see it on the back end in heaven right now on the other side of and I'm sure she's laughed she laughed or had a good laugh with God like God I thought I thought you didn't like me I thought you were mad at me (laughs) I was uh I was bitter and people came. I came back to Bethlehem of all places. Um, And everyone was rejoicing and happy to see me, but I couldn't even enjoy the celebration. I'm like, man, I lost my two sons. I was grieving. I was sad. But Lord, you had a greater plan in the end. I just couldn't see it. So, yeah, once again, that's my encouragement to y'all. You may have lost somebody. You may be dealing with a tragedy. You may be struck with COVID or cancer or you name the problem. Divorce, not seeing your kids. But just don't allow your heart to become bitter. You might have been full, seemingly full at one point. But now, if you feel like you're being emptied or I explained to um, the leader of our soul care class, I said, I said, it feels like the Lord is like I'm like a washcloth. (laughs) And the Lord is like wringing out the washcloth, like of getting all of the water out of out of this of me, so they yeah, so it can dry out and then be ready to use again. Um, most of us do that so that our washcloths don't become mildewy. Um, we so we don't usually leave leave it uh full of water. So anyway, that's I don't know. I hope that analogy helps somebody. You may feel like the Lord is 
yes, ring like um, ringing ringing you out or what is the word twisting you? Yeah, pressing. Yeah, there you go, pressing you, and all this water is coming out. All the all the fullness of joy, everything that brought you joy, you name it, <laughs> all the things that brought you comfort and joy. I feel like they're being taken from you or lost, whether it's through your bad choices or through just yeah, we live in a fallen world, right? Or in a lot of it, yeah, like I said, God allows anything that happens to us to pass through his hand first. So however, however this is happening, this process of being molded, wrung out like a washcloth or emptied, right? Your bucket's being emptied, your cup is being emptied. It's only so that the Lord can fill you and make you useful with the thing and have, and equip you and pour into you the things that he wants to have in you so that you can walk in your destiny and be slow to anger and to bitterness and be quick to have joy and to praise the Lord, even when all this craziness is happening in your life. All right, let me read that again. Verse 20, because I went on a long tangent. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Or a.k.a. bitter, she answered, for the almighty has made me bitter. I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? What does Naomi's name mean? I need to look at that real quick. What does her actual name mean? I want to look at that. Uh, how can I look at that without... All right, the broadcast is going to pause for a minute on IG. All right, so I looked it up, and her name, according to I googled it, and Jewish tradition, it means pleasant, one, pleasant one, above all beauty, and in Japanese, apparently means straight and beautiful. So that's why she's like, "Why do you keep calling me Naomi? Call me Mara, because I'm not. I'm bitter. I'm not pleasant one. I'm not." beautiful can you see and that's that's yeah i'm sure she was wearing she was wearing the grief and the pain and the suffering on her countenance on her on her face over her whole whole body that she had that eeyore cloud over her and she probably had on like yeah it was uh in um rocky old girl uh adrian <laughs> she probably had on some adrian clothes that's what I can't imagine. Anyway, all right, verse 22. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. The Mo sorry. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the, Moabite, the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. All right, let's read these Tony Evans notes and then close it out. 
it's going to be one of my longest episodes in a long time. But hey, I think it was worth it. The time of the judges was a miserable period in Israel's history when a vicious cycle kept repeating itself. The people fell into idolatry. God let their enemies oppress them. They cried out for deliverance. God raised up a judge to rescue them. They fell into idolatry again. Thus, the famine mentioned here was likely a result of God judging Israel's idolatry. There we go. What did I say earlier? A lot of times the things that we're experiencing is because we've opened the door to the enemy. But that's we shouldn't get so quick to be down on ourselves. If you have the right perspective of why the famine is there, it will it will it can shorten the famine when you have the right perspective. And while you're in the famine, you won't experience famine. God allows famines in our life to draw us closer to him. And that's not just for food at all. It's like anything. You may fill in the blank. Any the way we have looked to other things as sources and made other things idols. He allows it. I need to re- research more about famines. He allows it to ultimately draw us closer to him and seek answers to, from him on direction for our life everything all right in other words naomi's circumstances had spiraled down to a point and went at which she had no way to provide for herself in moab when naomi heard that the famine back in her native israel had ended she determined to return home to judah that's something i i i read that earlier but i didn't catch that you had famine or I need to reiterate that there was a famine in Moab, but not back in Israel. It's kind of like when people hear like, oh, I hear it. Like a lot of people are leaving California to go to like places like Colorado or Texas. Because people are like, oh, I hear it's better over there. Um, anyway, I can imagine the conversation that Naomi had in her head. And with her sister-in-laws. They got more jobs. The housing is cheaper. (laughs) Alright. They have food. They have better restaurants. There's Anyway. Alright. I'm just thinking of this in modern day times. The conversations that ladies have. Naomi left. Or people have in general about moving to certain cities. Naomi felt the Lord's hand had turned against her. Yet it was through her difficult situation that God would work in a big way. I said my prayer for you that God would take your difficult situation and will work it in a big way. Ruth preferred widowhood and its challenges to abandoning to abandoning Naomi and her God. A fact suggesting that she'd probably come to to place faith in him, at least in part through the woman's witness and renouncing the idolatry of the Moabites and embracing Israel's God as her own. Ruth made a complete break with her past. So there was once again, that's what I was saying earlier. There was something about Ruth. Um, there was something about Naomi's life and the way that she lived and carried herself as a Christian that caused Ruth to be like, I, I believe in the God that she serves. Maybe not even know everything there is about God, but there's something special about her relationship with her God. And she probably also saw the famine and all that <clears throat> going on and 
And the way she talked about Israel, she's like, I'm just reading into the text here that something about Ruth is like, hmm, maybe this is the way I should go and not go the same route as my sister-in-law. There's a blessing on the other. She had faith that there was a blessing on the other side by sticking with Naomi then rather than leaving um, and chasing a, a Moabite husband or just going a different direction. She had this sense sense of the, uh, the Holy Spirit or as we would say our gut feeling or whatever she had she had discernment that hey I should stick with uh, Naomi and not leave but there was something it's also interesting because here you have the other I think I just love the imagery here you have two <laughs> you have two women here two daughter-in-laws in the same house and they see how Naomi lives and the guy that she serves and one chooses to stay and the other one chooses to leave and the Bible doesn't say anything, as far as I know, about what happened to the woman that chose to leave. I'll be curious. That'd be a whole cool story to see how that played out. The woman who chose to leave versus now. Yeah, we see how uh, Ruth's play. Ruth life. Ruth's life plays out by sticking with Naomi. All right. While Naomi was truly in despair, it was time for the barley harvest she could see that God had ended the famine, the very thing that had driven her family off into their graves. There was hope in the midst of her hopelessness. There was hope in the midst of his, of their, of her hopelessness. I feel like that today. There's hope in the midst of my seemingly hopelessness. Through this story, God was preparing sleepy Bethlehem hometown to Naomi and the male lead to whom we are introduced in the next chapter as the site of his miraculous interruption at a later point in history. Yep. It's wild that little town of Bethlehem, this is where this is all going down, and that's where Jesus was born in a manger. Once again, I love just reading this Old Testament in light of the New Testament. All right, let's get on the Romans road to salvation and see if we can do this in two minutes. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of the cost of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says that God, but, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us or commended his love toward us and that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You can simply say this prayer. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ, Jesus Christ, is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, amazing, miraculous name we pray. Amen. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That whosoever is you, your mama and your cousin, too. Till next time, y'all have a great, amazing day. Enjoy this beautiful Friday. Be blessed.